Okay, chapter six in your textbook covers two classes of disorders from the DSM-5, the somatic symptom disorders and the dissociative disorders. These disorders really don't have a whole lot in common with one another. Uh, however, most textbooks in abnormal psychology, like yours, will put them together in a chapter. Um, I have a few suspicions about this. Um, I can come up with two good reasons why they often do that. Um, one is a historical reason is that historically, uh, particularly uh, from a psychodynamic perspective, these were seen, these were believed to be related in that they were both seen as uh, uh, neurotic disorders, right? I introduced that term to you um, in the, well, last week sometime, uh, but that, um, you know, for relatively milder kinds of disorders, uh, the um, psychodynamic explanation of neuroses was um, often very similar, right? They often came back to the same kind of explanation, and so tended to think that these, they tended to think that these things were related. We now know that that's really not true. Uh, however, again, historically, they have been linked um, by being believed to be neuroses. The other reason that I suspect textbooks put these together is that we don't know a lot about these diagnoses or these disorders. Um, some of them are rarely diagnosed. Um, several of them are rather controversial. Um, and uh, we don't have a whole lot of treatment outcome research on a lot of these. So frankly, there's less to talk about in a chapter. And so rather than separating these out into two short chapters, which might actually make more sense, uh, textbooks like yours will almost always put them together. Um, but please don't confuse them, uh, you know, just because they're in the same chapter. The somatic symptom disorders and dissociative disorders don't necessarily have anything to do with one another. Okay, so the first of these um, two groups is the somatic symptom disorders. Somatic symptom disorders are all disorders where the primary symptoms are body symptoms. That's what somatic means. And so people um, with these disorders are often not going to report psychological kinds of symptoms. They're going to report physical symptoms. Uh, but in order to be diagnosed with uh, but what these diagnoses mean is that it's been determined that those physical symptoms aren't really due to physical causes. They're more due to um, uh, psychological or mental kinds of causes, right? So the general definition of the somatic symptom disorders is physical symptoms without physical cause, presumably due to um, uh, psychological cause. Now, be careful with these diagnoses, though, because uh, in textbook descriptions of them, often they can start to sound very similar to one another, right? Uh, and so remember a point that I tried to give you before, and that's to um, pay attention to the distinctions between disorders. How is this diagnosis different from this other diagnosis? What's the distinction between conversion disorder and somatic symptom disorder? Uh, and what's the difference between conversion disorder and illness anxiety disorder or whatever, right? Okay, uh, so focus on, you know, those distinctions so you make sure you know how they're uh, different from one another. Um, let's see, oh, the other thing that... Um, that we would address in this, well, uh, I think your textbook does it last, so I'll come back to it. Um, the next um, set of disorders, though, is dissociative disorders. Uh, now, again, we saw a little bit about dissociative symptoms when we looked at acute stress disorder in particular last week, uh, but, um, but here we've got uh, three diagnoses where the primary symptoms relate to dissociation. Uh, going from the most severe kind of dissociation of uh, dissociative identity disorder to relatively milder forms of dissociation. Uh, 
Now, one thing that I'm not sure your textbook really gets clear on this is that dissociation in itself is not necessarily uh, disordered or uncommon uh, or problematic. Uh, you've probably experienced some mild forms of dissociation yourself. You know, if you kind of get lost in a book that you're reading and you lose track of time or, uh, you know, that kind of stuff. That's Those are dissociative experiences or, you know, even maybe even deja vu where things don't feel quite right or um, something like that. Anyway, um, uh, so once again, what we've got here in the DSM is... Um, uh, a normal range of dissociation. I'm sorry, that's not in the DSM. So we've got a normal range of dissociation, but what we've got in the DSM is uh, some delineation of problematic or disordered levels of dissociation. Now, you know, uh, the dissociative disorders are also a bit controversial um, and um, perhaps, and seem to be rarely diagnosed, right? Um, so we'll look at that some more. Um, the other thing that's addressed in this chapter on somatic symptom disorders and dissociative disorders is the topic of malingering. Um, uh, now, malingering is not a diagnosis in the DSM, uh, but it's something we've got to be particularly aware of when it comes to, well, any kind of psychological diagnosis, but particularly for these kinds of uh, disorders. Um, malingering is essentially... Uh, intentionally faking an illness or injury or mental illness. Uh, if somebody is malingering, they know that they're faking and they know that they're really not having these symptoms. Um, we also got to talk about malingering here in order to distinguish that from some other uh, somatic symptom disorders in particular, um, <clears throat> where the motivations are less clear or it's not entirely clear that the person necessarily is intentionally faking. Uh, even though their um, symptoms might not actually be due to physical causes, okay? So, um, uh, so malingering, an important thing to distinguish here also. Uh, let's see, so somatic symptom disorders and dissociative disorders. Here come my bongo drums. <laughs>